Annika. Welcome to the Not My Problem podcast. Let's have some long overdue, uncomfortable conversations. So, the topic of our very first episode is racism. We wanted to tackle this uh, heavy topic because it is, not just because it's a hot topic, but it, it needs to be addressed very urgently by everyone, like as soon as possible. Yeah. And the, one, uh, the, the approach that we initially um, took when we started thinking about this episode is we wanted to answer the question uh, of why should everybody care about racism. Yes, and so we started doing some researching and uh, Googled and what we actually found is that wasn't a straightforward answer and we brainstormed and Seth, why would you care? <laughs> yeah, so when we were talking about this, I remember I struggled uh, a little bit because for me, uh, obviously as a uh, black woman, I, I, I would much rather live in a world where there is no racism. Um, right, but when you ask me, okay, why should uh, the other people care? I remember I struggled. I couldn't come up with a with a straightforward um, answer to that either. Yeah, and one of the things we've seen actually quite often is something that's commonly called the empathy card, and you see this in other you know areas of where social injustice is you know a problem, such as feminism or gender equality, where people validate the existence of another human being by saying, oh, you know. You should care about women's rights because you have a sister or a mum. And the same goes then for racism. Oh, you should care about racism because you have a black friend. And that's really not enough. We shouldn't be um, seeing a human life only as valuable if we're validating it through someone else's existence. Exactly. And I want to really um, remind everyone that racism does not have any logical foundation. It is a irrational concept that was just <laughs> someone just decided to yeah. come up with this. <laughs> BS one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it could as well be you, you know, at the other hand, end of the um, uh, of the stick. So you don't, you shouldn't feel like you need to empathize with uh, another human being because it could be you. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole thing was random to begin with. So um, that's why we need to to address this and to remember that empathy is not enough. Yes, and I think we're gonna go into some ideas to why people should care um, in the next topic when we look at how racism is defined by the law and what types of racisms exist. So I think we should really start off by um, giving some definitions because uh, we are academics after all, so we yes. like... <laughs> <laughs> we like a good definition, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so bear with us. Um, but yeah, so the way we approached this was just by kind of trying to find uh, clear definitions for it. So obviously we googled things um, and then we came across uh, several good resources on the um, Citizens Advice website, uh, which is a good service uh, for the UK. And then we also came across uh, the Race Relations Act and, and all sorts of really, really cool stuff. Yeah, and funnily enough, actually, I think the first thing we saw was the uh, definition of racism based on the Oxford Dictionary. And I'm really hoping I'll never have to um, read to the listeners again. But I will read this definition to everyone now. <laughs> and we swear we don't usually script things. Um, so here goes. Uh, racism is the belief that groups of humans possess different behavioral traits corresponding to physical appearance and can be divided based on the superiority of one race over another. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. That was very clear. <laughs> Thank you. 
um, yeah, but I think um, the notion of racism, if you don't want to really look at like proper definitions, I think people mostly are associated with prejudice and discrimination, right? Yeah, they do really. And it's also, I think, the first thing that uh, popped us as a up as a, a part of the citizen advice website, right, for practical advice and help on it. Yeah, but then we also wanted to just bring uh, light to the fact that this is not the only face of racism. It is way more complicated, and we like to think it uh, to divide it into two main categories, namely the uh, individual type of racism and then the structural racism. Oh yeah, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about microaggressions and casual racism, which very much fit into the category of individual racism. But I think we want to spend a lot of time actually on structural racism, which probably people are not as aware of. Exactly. So I don't really think we have to explain individual racism to people. It's a, the very obvious, blatant form of racism where people use certain language, terminology, etc., etc., uh, to you know, abuse uh, verbally um, black people or people of color. And I don't think we really need to get into that because I think that's pretty obvious to most people, uh, if I'm being honest. Not just verbally, by the way, it can yeah. be also physical. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we all know what kind of individual racism we're talking about. And obviously there are scales to it where, as Seth just said, people can, you know, physically and verbally abuse you. But what we actually want to talk about is the kind of microaggressions and casual racism that are probably not so obvious um, to most people. And I think especially probably for people with privilege who haven't had that kind of experience um, that might not necessarily know that this is actually casual racism. Exactly. It's something that is very subtle. It happens all the time and we feel like it's really important to raise uh, awareness. So let me just start off by like uh, giving you the definition of uh, yes, microaggression. Definition time. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly. So that's uh, microaggression is a term that was um, coined by uh, a Harvard uh, professor and psychiatrist. His name is uh, Dr. Pierce, um, and it goes back to the nineteen seventies. Um, and it refers to the persistent presences of stigmatizing representations of black people. Yeah. And that's very much um, not just a definition that was, uh, you know, brought on last year, last week. As I said, you know, yeah, it's been 50 years, people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, the best thing to do kind of, I think, to put to point out to people what these very subtle forms of racism might look like, I think we, we should probably go through a couple of examples, right? Exactly. So I think what we should do um, is... I will be like giving examples of like just casual phrases or acts that are very much normalized in this um, mm. society. And then what I want to do is like kind of give the translation and the impact that ha it has to someone who hears or is subjected to those things on mm -hmm. a daily basis their entire life. <laughs> yes. And uh, why this actually might be harmful as well exactly so i think uh, the most obvious one we both first thought about was the kind of idea of being a foreigner in your own country right exactly so typically if you don't look like most like the, the your average british person <laughs> yeah we by that we mean white <laughs> <laughs> exactly so if you just if you happen to be uh black in britain very often you will get asked where are you from 
You yeah, know? and if you happen to say, yeah, I'm from East London, they're like, no, 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 but where are you really from? Yes. <laughs> you know, especially if you also come with an accent. That's mm-hmm. like the question, favorite question that someone that doesn't know you will ask you over and over again. Exactly. And, and that actually has a very different meaning than just the face value of asking, where are you from? Exactly, because whenever I hear that, what I actually hear is that you're not from here. Right. Where are you from? So You like, don't you, belong. You don't belong, essentially. So you get these asks like over, over again. And you end up internalizing it. Just the fact that people just always assume that I'm not from here, I will eventually believe it and always have this sense of uh, not belonging mm. or not being, um, not having integrated in a society. Or being part of your community, of your country, really. And we can see, obviously, I don't think we need to really explain that, why that might be harmful, really. Um, do you want me to continue with another one? Yeah, let's let's just okay. another one. <laughs> so I think the other one, which um, I think is specifically due to the recent protests around the world, um, have has brought on a couple of um, you know kind of casual racism remarks. Is the idea that you know we don't see color as white people. So <laughs> exactly. You know. So I really so want to <laughs> stop there and like really yes. really um, sort of you know break this down. Mm-hmm. I've heard that so many times from people that ha- that are well-intended, as in, when I look at you, I don't see color. Um, you know, like, to me, you're not a black woman. Uh, you're just another human being. That is not helpful, because when I hear that, it means you don't see my struggles. You don't acknowledge the fact that my life is different than yours mm-hmm. because of the color of my skin. Also, for all of the reasons, I've, of course. But this is one added thing that you don't have. And if you refuse to acknowledge that, like it means you can't really um, help me. <laughs> yeah, not just help you, but also just respect you as an individual with your own identity from what I gather, right? Exactly. I mean, just ignoring the fact that, you know, there is a whole cultural world out there that, you know, does belong to black people. And me saying I don't see color is just... If I was to say that, I never said this. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, clarifying. If, if you did, you would be denying my yeah. um, my r- racial, ethnic experience. Um, exactly. M- yeah. And we can see why that might be, because, you know, might be problematic. And why normalizing this kind of behavior actually... Um, could have long-lasting impact not just on an individual level but again what we talk about later is a structural level right Mm -hmm. in society exactly so please do see color do acknowledge it there is a difference between being uh, discriminating against people based on their color and seeing the color you know Mm. you can see color and celebrate it um, or you can choose to see color and be like and discriminated, which you should never do. But you should always just like see. Yeah. <laughs> see like, yeah. Don't say someone is not black when they're black. <laughs> you know that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll give uh, another example that yeah. is a bit maybe less subtle. Um, yeah. But for example, um, assuming a criminal status based on someone's um, skin color, like typically, it can be very like uh, done like in a very unconscious way sometimes oh yeah almost automatically right but i have seen that happen more than once for sure Mm -hmm. so you would see like a white white person very often a woman who just chooses to change sidewalk when they have to cross um a black person or a person of color or who just start clutching their purse a bit more tighter you know um just like with the assumption that they are uh 
like near someone who's dangerous or someone that will will mock them them. yes exactly and i think this is also especially problematic um because you mentioned uh, white women uh for black men right because I think that's when it happens most often mm-hmm. in, in from what I've seen personally or when I've seen people on the street and stuff like this. Um, and it's obviously horrendous. There is no reason to assume uh, a criminal status <laughs> to the color of someone's skin, really. Yeah, yeah. And again, what that, that does to that person who constantly sees pay, uh, people like um, avoiding them just because of the way they look, it just tells them again and again that they are... Um, aggressive or just not yeah criminals basically yeah. that's what you're telling people effectively that's what you do and obviously it it feeds into the whole narrative of a person not feeling welcome a person not feeling like they can integrate or belong to a society right? exactly it's like you're not even giving me a chance you yeah know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> which is horrendous which is really horrendous and um if anybody says oh yeah but people do that to white men as well well they don't they really really don't you can be a black man in a well-dressed you know suit walking down a london high street and this will probably more likely be happening to you than this a white man in the same suit yeah or you can be a black man bird watching in central park in the oh US yeah i and, mean and have a white woman call the police yes so um, saying like shouting that they're uh, so this threatening her so yeah. Yeah, so this is very much a thing um but yeah let's move on to another example as well so um this is one of my favorite ones, and this is this is a. How do we have favorites? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just a meme one, right? Like you see this being called out quite a lot, and this is the one. I am not a racist. I have black friends. Uh, good <laughs> so uh, where do we start? It's not a thing. <laughs> just just to clarify that, that is not a thing. I, I will let you explain because I'm. I'm yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we're actually trying to say here is that you can have you know black friends or. Uh, you know, Asian friends, What that doesn't make you not a racist or the fact that, you know, you um, can't be, a, not accused necessarily, but guilty of, um, you know, microaggressions. That doesn't excuse anything. Just because I'm a, I have a purse doesn't mean I'm a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that, that doesn't work really. Yeah. You having a black friend doesn't mean anything uh, yeah. with respect to your you being a racist or not or your belief system it yeah. has nothing to do with it exactly. whatsoever you can you can do both literally people yeah. do do that <laughs> yes that's literally the analogy that i try to say with me having a designer handbag and calling myself a fashion designer yeah. or something like that this doesn't work yeah, yeah. that's really not it's not how it works yeah. <laughs> okay shall we do one more um there is one that i wanted to uh, mention is the typical um you have stereotype uh towards black people and then um, black or people of color Mm -hmm. and then you meet someone who doesn't fall into that category and then you tell them like oh yeah the the type of oh i've heard that before like Mm -hmm. believe me or not you're really pretty for a black girl (laughs) you know that is something people do to say (laughs) or oh wow you're so articulate for a person of color yeah where did you go to to school Mm -hmm. who are your parents this is so bad at so many levels and yeah, I would like, if you don't see how, why it's by, I would really urge you to just pause for a second and just reflect on that. 
because I think I believe people can come up to the conclusion by themselves. Yeah, and I think there's also the flip side to it, right? Stereotyping the other way around. So if you're, for example, Asian, why are you not good at maths? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's also it's a like, thing. <laughs> it just says you have assumed you know my abilities and... and yeah, my know, qualifications, my intelligence. On my... Skin color. Yeah, yeah. This is really, really, yeah. That's all you're assuming. And that's really... Um, that's racism. Right yes. <laughs> <laughs> and these are the subtleties, though, right? That a lot of people um, don't know about, are not aware about. And, I mean, we are literally here to kind of point these um, different types of casual microaggressions out so that hopefully that you, dear listeners... <laughs> will walk through the world a little bit more equipped and don't either do these things again or advocate um, for not doing these things ever. Those were just like a few examples um, around microaggressions and casual racism. We urge you again to reflect on all of this and others because like we could not possibly have yes. <laughs> say it all, This uh, is not the example. end all and be all. Uh, we just like mentioned really a few that we've heard or that I have experienced as a, as a black person. We really want to distinguish when we talk about um, institutionalized racism between systematic and systemic. And systematic really refers to an action that is done according to some system or organized method. And it's really a behavior, whether that's unintentional or not, that is done as a habit. So it seems like the result of a system. And that definition was actually given by poor brains at Washington State University. And yes, we do love a good uh, definition at the Not My Problem podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that was for systematic. Now, on the other hand, systemic refers to something that happens inside a system, something that affects all part of a system, and that can be seen as something deeply ingrained into a system. Yeah, and as a result of that, really, systematic is a process, while systemic is, as Seth already said, within a system. And we're going to go through a couple of examples now. There are many, uh, many manifestations of systemic uh, racism in our society. Um, there is evidence of it in different sectors and also different dimensions to it. So what we want to do is go through some examples here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we will not discuss all of them, of course, because that's impossible. But we just want to give a few examples, examples to begin with. Yeah, so uh, one of the things, and I think that's probably the starting point of everybody's life where um, systemic racism is existent is in school curricula. And um, while school curricula often claim to be inclusive and representative, what has actually often been found is that black history has been um, erased from uh, a specifically GCSE curriculum. And what we found is that while schools are permitted to teach black history and as well obviously the history of people outside Europe and US, very few of them do. So what we actually looked at was at um, data from um, EDXL, AQA and the OCR exam boards, um, which in the UK are in charge of the modules that are people being examined on. And what we found is that whilst 59 GCSE history modules are available from these three biggest exam boards, only 12 mention black history. And out of all of these 12, only five actually refer to the history of black people in Britain. 
And that's actually really interesting from the point of view and disturbing, actually, that um, Britain has a very significant uh, past with the British Empire over the last 400 years. That's a massive part of British history. And when we then look at the school, school curricula across the country, actually, uh, you know, black people were there, black people were a massive part of that, but it's not being actually taught at many schools. And what we've actually found that even out of the modules that are being made available, only up to 11% of GCSE students are studying those modules that refer to black people's contribution in Britain. And um, that's obviously something that is not helpful whatsoever when we're looking at why racism exists and what we can do to change it. And there is actually a British organization called Black Curriculum, which aims to include black history in all UK schools. But so far they've had very, very limited access. And the question we really want to raise here is shouldn't this be mandatory? If we compare this to, I mean, I'm German, we compare this to the same extent how, um, you know, schools teach history about Nazi Germany. We can't just erase one part of a country's history arbitrarily. And actually, um, just on that point, uh, GCSE students in the UK, 45% of them study modules on Weimar and Nazi Germany. Compare <laughs> that to the up to 11%. There are literally five modules and I think the lowest one is studied by 0.43% of students. That's madness. Yeah, that is really, yeah. Uh, but we fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, another example of uh, systemic racism is in uh, <laughs> in um, professional um, settings rather than uh, educational one, where <clears throat> there are some studies that show um, that the chances of landing a job with similar qualifications, uh, but with a black sounding uh, name, is way lower than with a white sounding name. So um, the Center of Social Investigation has conducted this uh, study where they did uh, roughly 3,200 real um, job applications, fixtures, um, but they're all similar in terms of qualifications, but some uh, fake applicants uh, came f uh, were from a minority background, whereas others were um, white. And then what that um, study showed was that on average, nearly one in four applicants from the majority group, so uh, whites, uh, received a call back from employers. The job uh, search was uh, less successful for ethnic mi minorities. So despite having identical CVs and cover letters, they needed to send 60% more applications in order to receive as many callbacks. 60% more applications. That's crazy. Yeah. It is insane. And we can't really justify this by saying, okay, maybe the people who were hiring just assumed uh, poor English language skills uh, or so, because they made sure in those applications to specify that the uh, applicants were either British born or had arrived in Britain by the age of six, which means that they were definitely fluent in, in English. And would have received all their training in Britain. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's a, that's a crazy example as well when you think about it. That's mind-blowing. And that's not just one sector. That is all job applications exactly. across the industries. Yeah, yeah. It is really scary to look at it. 60%. Yeah. Um, another big area which is impacted by this is healthcare. And I'm not going to go too much into the specifics of this. Um, for each and every study that we found, there are plenty. 
but we looked at the studies over the last 10 years by the US National Library of Medicine and the National Institute of Health, as well as the British Medical Journal. And it doesn't matter if you're a woman, a man or a child, you will have had problems in healthcare if you are black. So one of the big things that um, we found is that black women are less likely to be believed when they're having issues regarding women's health. And that also extends to a higher chance of pregnancy related death for black women when it's being compared to white women. And then even as a child, if you are um, in eighth grade or between kindergarten and eighth grade, you are actually much less likely to be diagnosed with a disorder such as uh, HDHD. And whilst the um, study itself did not uh, point out any reasons for why that might be, what they actually did recommend was that there should be more cultural sensitive screening. And I, I think that really says it all. Um, and then again, if you are a black man, you are actually less likely to get appropriate care for mental health. And that specifically includes depression. And if we look at depression at large, it is a big, big problem. So it's even worse that when you're black, you can't have the same access to the appropriate care. Again, very, very scary statistics and, and, and research yeah. there. there. Um, I mean, I kind of knew things were bad, but when we did this episode, I have to admit, I was like, wow, things are really, really, really bad. Yeah, I think seeing the numbers is what was shocking for us, probably. Yeah. So moving on to another example that um, we wanted to, to discuss is uh, within the criminal justice system. So that's a very famous one, of course, uh, given what has happened this year in the US. Um, so we're not going to go onto too much details um, with what happened or what happens in, in the US with uh, regards to um, black lives and police violence. But what we want to do is more uh, focus more on the UK and how the justice system also is, uh, can be biased. I mean, definitely is biased <laughs> and affects minorities. So the UK law enforcement has put together uh, the Terrorism Act 2000. So that was following the uh, 9-11 terrorist attacks. And so that was an act uh, that was meant as a counter um, terrorism tool. And basically what that did is uh, it gave exceptional legal powers for uh, combating uh, suspected terrorism. And th those power included um, relaxing some criminal prosecution rules, uh, travel restrictions at ports and airports, and it vastly expanded police powers to stop, search, question, detain, and arrest individuals suspected of engaging or planning um, to engage in terrorism-related uh, activities. So what that means is that now uh, law enforcement is just free to profile people, basically. So without without any uh, evidence if you just suspect it because you look um, you look Asian or you look black or you look like a terrorist, they can exert power through this act. And um, so that really, uh, the following this act, government data uh, shows that blacks and Asians were stopped, questioned and detained at a higher rate than whites. Um, and yeah, so that's obviously unfair and harmful um, to this minority because they have to go through so much trauma. Uh, it is not fun to be arrested, search, uh, question when you're innocent over and over again. And it also contributes to really that idea of stereotyping minorities. And um, we will go into this later on. But I think one thing we found out, and this is not an exhaustive list, as Seth already said, 
but what we found out is that there seems to be no area of life that's not affected, whether that's higher education, entertainment, fashion and beauty, etc. etc. So there was literally no area we could find where we couldn't find an example. But again, this podcast has a time limit, so we yeah. can't keep going on and on and on. <laughs> But before we just move on into the suggestions for making a change and such, I just yes. want to remind everyone that, okay, we have based our uh, research and discussions around the UK. So if you happen to be, um, if you happen to not be based in the UK, you can uh, look into your own own society, own government, and I am pretty sure that there will be evidence of systemic racism there as well. Um, so this is not definitely a US or UK problem. It is a global problem. Yes, very much so, and that really fits into with um, our first idea of making a change. <laughs> Seth, do you want to go and do it? Sure, sure. Okay. So I would suggest everyone who is listening to us now doesn't matter if you're black white uh, asian or anything uh, to just reflect on your own thinking in regards to microaggressions um, and make sure to try and hold yourself accountable uh, nobody is perfect we are we live in a, in a in a society that is deeply racist as it is so it is normal that we have internalized some of that and that we have maybe in the past or still maybe currently, we, may, we might be guilty of doing things that are not okay. Uh, so we just need to do all better. So reflect on microaggressions and uh, also talk about it. Um, yes, have that conversation. Yes, so not just like posting things on social media. If you do already did that, it's great. But have those conversations with your friends, co-workers, family, partners. Anybody really, anybody who wants to listen, it's always good to keep the conversation up. Exactly. And as we said earlier already, and in our trailer, all our references and resources, such as, you know, the studies for healthcare from the British Medical Journal, we will post all of these references. But again, if you have any questions, feel free to um, message us on Instagram at NMP podcast. And we'll be happy to send anything through that we may have missed out because we have a long list of resources for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So now we just want to do our, our shout outs. Yes. So for the read one, uh, we really recommend this fantastic book by this fantastic author, Rennie Edo Lodge. Um, the title is Why I Am No Longer Talking About Race to White People. This book is, I can't, like, I can't stress it enough, it is a very, very important book. And it details uh, systemic racism in, in the best way possible, or in the depth. best way I've read, yeah. really. Um, now for the listen, uh, <laughs> again, it's still uh, Rennie Edel Lodge, because um, she has a podcast called About Race with Rennie Edel Lodge. And it is a great podcast, so if you'd rather uh, listen than, than read, definitely check that out. Finally, we want to suggest a uh, watch, which is a TED Talk uh, by Baratunde Thurson, uh, and it's how to deconstruct racism in uh, one headline at a time. And in our next episode, um, which will be released in two weeks' time, there will be the two new topics. Um, one of them is internalized racism, and the other one is representation, and we hope you'll listen then too. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, this is your problem too.